This episode of Recording Studio Rockstars is brought to you by OWC, Boz Digital Labs, and Jay-Z Microphones. So get ready to rock. If I have two guitar players, boom, I'm ready to go. If I have one guy and I want to record him stereo out of his uh, effects pedals, that's also another great thing because nowadays guitar players have so many toys to play with and their stereo effects can be really cool. You know, the delays and the reverbs, why not capture that going in instead of me sitting for hours trying to mix and find a sound? Welcome to Recording Studio Rockstars. I'm Lid Shaw, and this is the podcast created to help you become a rock star of the recording studio. This episode is sponsored by OWC, Otherworld Computing, which you can find at OWC.com, your trusted source for memory and speed upgrades, DIY installs, and used Macs for your studio. Let OWC focus on keeping your studio Mac in killer condition so that you can focus on making great music. Why ditch your existing Mac when you can take your studio far into the future with OWC? Learn more at OWC.com and learn how you can supercharge your studio Mac, the speed to create, the capacity to dream. Now find out how awesome your studio can be at OWC. This episode is sponsored by Boz Digital Labs, offering you the coolest plugins for your mixes, like the Hoser XT and Plus 10 dB Signature Series. You can transform your drums with Sasquatch Kick Machine or Transgressor, get massive bass with Big Clipper, or add width and depth using Mongoose and Imperial Delay. All Boz Digital Labs plugins are available as fully functioning, no time limit free trials, so you can check them out on your mixes right now. Just go to bozdigitallabs.com or click the link in the show notes of this episode. This episode is sponsored by Jay-Z Microphones with the unique Golden Drop capsule design. The Black Hole Series BH1S and BH2 microphones with the hole in the middle for a one-of-a-kind shock mount combine innovative industrial design with careful craftsmanship to bring a world-class sound to your studio, resulting in a level of quality and detail in your recordings that you won't find in other mics. Go to jzmic.com or click the link in the show notes below and use the limited-time coupon ROCKSTAR right now to get an incredible 50% off. Hey, Rockstars, it's your host, Lid Shaw, and welcome back to Recording Studio Rockstars, bringing you into the studio to learn from recording professionals so that you can make your best record ever and be a rock star of the studio yourself. My guest today is Lee Turner, a Wisconsin-born musician now living in Nashville and owner of 222 Studio, dedicated to helping artists easily navigate the recording process with a focus on bringing pro Nashville players and sound to anyone making a record, whether local or over the internet. While Lee can play everything in the studio, his primary instrument is the keyboard, playing piano, organ, and even accordion. He splits his time between the studio and playing live, touring the world with Darius Rucker. He's also had the honor of performing with a long list of top-tier artists to include Blake Shelton, Hank Williams Jr., Kenny Rogers, Big and Rich, Leanne Rimes, Trace Atkins, Winona, Randy Owen, Cowboy Troy, Bo Bice, and many more. He's also performed on Jimmy Kimmel, The Tonight Show, Ellen, The View, The Talk, The Today Show, and Good Morning America, and has been a member of the house band for the hit show Nashville Star on both NBC and USA for the past five years. 
Thanks so much to Michael Estock for making our introduction. Please welcome Lee Turner to Recording Studio Rockstars. Lee, are you ready to rock, dude? I'm ready to rock, Lidge. Man, welcome to the studio and, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me here. It's quite a list, man. As I was, <laughs> I was trying to get through all those names, it's an impressive list of stuff you've done. It's it's. Uh, how long have you been that. in Nashville? Yeah, yeah, I've been in Nashville about 23 years now. 23. And right um, I've been with, you told everybody about Darius, and I've been with Darius Rucker for, we're going on our 11th year, which is really amazing. Um, and then many, many artists. Darius actually makes my 25th artist that I've played with, like Nashville Star. I was introduced to a lot of artists playing for that. Um, but yeah, I've been in Nashville doing the artist thing for about 23 years. Right on, man. And you came down from Wisconsin. I, yes. I love Wisconsin. I go up to Door County every summer. Oh, right on, right on. Yeah. No, I have my uh, got my music education degree in Wisconsin there, and I thought teaching was great. I think students are great. Just for me at that time, I wanted to do something else. So I moved down to Nashville and decided to, you know, pack everything up, move down here and work for a country music artist. Everybody told me I was crazy. And about two and a half weeks later, I had a gig with a guy named Kevin Sharp, who was on Asylum Records, and I was on a tour bus, and the rest is history. Nice, man. And so yeah. you came down sort of as a keyboardist first, like like totally. I was saying in the intro. Yeah. Um, where so were you coming from like Chicago or were you sort of small town Wisconsin or, or? Um, right around Milwaukee I did I spent oh, okay. a lot of time yeah, in Milwaukee and then up on up in Appleton All right. playing yeah, yeah. in bands so it, when I was sixteen and old enough to take the car I was playing in bars um, nice. so my Thursday Friday Saturdays were you know Thursday night in a reggae band Friday night in a pop band and Saturday night in a six uh, 50s and 60s band and Sunday morning I was playing trumpet back at church you know so it was always music and always working playing trumpet too wow trumpet was my perform um I <laughs> that was my major instrument um I started being a I was a trumpet player and I always played keyboards and that was something that made money so that was a, a general shift um I saw that being a trumpet performance major wasn't going to work out maybe financially. And so I went into education and keyboards were always there. So it was a natural shift in that direction. Um, and that's what led me down to Nashville. Nice. Um, well, so you come down to Nashville to do country. Were you already really into country before you moved here? Or did no, you come here just to... I was a to rock guy. I was uh, rock and pop, you know, keyboard world. But at that time, a lot of the stuff, I was like, oh, these chords are totally relatable to country chords and the feel. I mean, we're talking that was late 90s. Yeah. So, yeah. Right, late 90s. So, so, so Jason and the Scorchers, and, the, the rock meets country, that was late 80s, right? Right, right. Was that a thing for you? No, or? it definitely wasn't. Uh, I was more mainstream, the Garth Brooks and, you know, uh, Susie Boggess and all this stuff. And it just worked and it fit underneath my hands really well. And I was able to play and slip right into it. Um, I enjoyed the people. The people in country music are great. And uh, I really was embraced by the community really quick and found myself just uh, getting from artist to artist. I've never been let go or fired from a gig. It was just always just trying to work up the ranks to a better job and keep it going. Nice, man. Well, don't mess up on this podcast. I know, It'll be right? first time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> hey, by the way, Garth Brooks, um, yeah, Rockstars, if you've never seen it, 
Garth Brooks did a skit on Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live with Will Ferrell where he plays um, Will Ferrell's The Devil and Garth's like this mm. aspiring songwriter. And it's it's just hands down like the funniest musical skit I think I've ever seen on TV. So I highly recommend you check that one out. It's awesome. <laughs> so you came down here to be a musician first and tour. Um, how long till you started getting into the recording side of things? Um, probably three, four years into it. Um, honestly, I got my first computer and it was uh, a Windows computer and I wanted, I had a piano. So my idea was why don't I utilize my time when I'm at home and record uh, my piano stuff myself. So I got a sound card and it had two inputs and this was a big deal back then. And it had enough processing power to, to handle everything. That was going great. And my buddy uh, came over to play some acoustic guitar one time and he just said to me, he says, hey, would you be able to lay down some acoustic guitar while the piano went down? And I said, oh, I don't know, let me figure it out. So I bought a bigger sound card. And then we went to four inputs and you, just, you see the progression here. And then we went to eight. Um, do you remember what that software was that you uh, used on it? Was it Cool Edit or something like that? That's a, one, the first I, Windows one I remember using. Honestly, don't remember what it was. It's funny sound, because, you know, like we take board? so much of that for granted now. I mean, like yeah. I just bought a, a, a Behringer UM2, I think it is. It's like a little USB thing mm -hmm. on Amazon. It was $29, you know, shipped to my door wow. and I could just plug it right into a laptop. And it's yeah. like, there's a couple of inputs. But back then, back then, you know, my buddy had mm. a PC and then he tells me about this card he'd heard of and we buy a digital card and it didn't even have audio inputs. You had to go through my DAT machine and then go digitally from the DAT machine, transfer right. it into the computer right, right. And, and then like do edits as two tracks at a time. It's just quite different. Quite yeah, different. quite different. And you had to worry about pops and clicks back then, right, you know, right. because the processing wouldn't hold up. Yeah. And yeah, it was a, quite a challenge. Well, so anyway, um, so you're playing acoustic guitar with that. Um, now you have a beautiful studio, 222. Yeah. Uh, have you had some iterations of studio from then to now, or did you, did you leap from a sound card in the 90s no, to I a studio today? No, I never did a leap. I always bought one piece at a time, and that was something that I really, I'm proud of myself for doing that because I feel like I grew with the equipment. You know, I was able to... Um, grow myself. And by that, I mean, I didn't go and spend a bunch of money and then have a pile of equipment and then go, now let me try and figure it out. It was always like, well, let me record piano. Let me record acoustic. Well, now uh, the obvious thing is to start recording vocals. Then how do I mix that all together? I, I had never, I don't have any technical training as a recording engineer. Um, being a musician, I love music. I know what I, I hear. So I had a lot of downtime on the road back in the day to go down in the basement and sit on this piece of software. It was Nuendo at the time is what I ended yeah. up getting. Um, and just turning knobs until I figured out, hey, this works here. And, um, you know, the powerful internet was not that strong yet. And so I just learned that way. And then it was the progression of... Um, now I want to record drums. How do I do this? What microphone? So I, I reached out to people and talked to people and got, you know, answers on, hey, this might be good, um, you know, good microphones to put on drums. And I even got some negative, I got some pushback at that time. Like 
I was recording in a, in a living room and one guy with low ceilings and a guy said to me, that'll never sound good because it's going to sound like you're in a, a bathroom. I'm like, well, dude, this is the space I have. So I've always been one to make do with what I have and grow, like figure out what cables I had to make this work. And sometimes it wasn't conventional. Um, but so anyway, so I grew equipment, equipment, and then I went through a couple of things in my life where I packed that up and it went into storage. And then when I got this space now, um, my goal was to have a studio where everything's plugged in all the time and people yeah. can just come in um, and I am ready to go. So it's really cool. And I'm utilizing the space that I have. Um, I'm in a downstairs of a ranch home and the garage is our live room. And I've taken out, you know, anything that was in the ceiling. So the rafters are like really cool diffusers. Um, I have a Gretsch USA kit. Craviato snare, Black Beauty snare, everything's set up. I play every day. I'm horrible. <laughs> but I'll drums, come home from the gym and I'll be like, yeah, I'm playing drums yeah, today. Yeah. Um, drums is one of those instruments like that. I feel very comfortable sucking on drums yeah. and still feeling great about it. It you is know? fun. <laughs> so, I don't always want to hear myself back after I mess around. Right, right. Um, so that's in the garage. The drums are set up in the front. We use it, utilize that garage. And then when I have a session, I roll the cars out you know, roll, uh, some nice rugs down and then I make stations for everybody. There's a bass station, there's a, uh, guitar station. And with that, there's two cables that go to amp boxes. I built boxes inside of boxes with some nice ribbon mics on them. Um, had everybody's on headphone boxes, my piano stuff. I've got a, uh, an awesome Yamaha upright piano. Um, Hammond B3, everything's mic'd up all the time. All my other keyboards are subgrouped down, um, submixed down. I've got a vocal booth underneath the stairs and it all just That's really cool. works. Okay. And it's I like comfortable. it. We roll the cars out. It sounds like somehow I feel like Elvis <laughs> is about to come, arrive at the session, you know? I know. It's pretty funny. <laughs> um, well, so that's cool. So you have, you basically, you know, created a, um, uh, sort of like this combination home studio functional environment or whatever, mm -hmm. where you can, you can totally accommodate musicians. And I know lots and lots of our listeners everywhere are, yeah. are you know, dealing with a situation like that. Some, some listeners are, are, um, some of the rock stars are, you know, just recording themselves. Some of them are mm -hmm. trying to accommodate a band. And right. but I think a lot of people are trying to figure out how to use a space. You mentioned something, you talked about a box within a box. Talk about that a little bit. That's a really clever way to to have sort of guitar amps and have a band tracking together in a space that isn't big enough to have separate rooms for separate every guitar, rooms. right? Exactly. And I came up with this um, a long time ago. It's, an, it's nothing that I designed, but I thought about taking the guitar, the speaker cabinet, and building just out of um, plywood or press board and putting that in a box with some I guess, Orlex or some blankets around it just so the uh, reflections are cut down. Can you, can you describe the box a little more? What does that mean, a box? A I mean, box. We're picturing um, a cardboard box the, here? I or took, like No, I took the dimensions of the speaker cabinet and then I put around about four inches um, around the sides and around the top. And so the speaker cabinet can drop down inside of it. I put the the baffling a little bit in front of it. So like I said, the reflections bouncing off the wood get soaked up. Um, 
drilled a hole in the, into that so that way the mic cable can go in there and the speaker cable. So then I was like, that's great, but I want to deaden it or quiet it down even a little bit more. So what I did is built another box, another four <laughs> inches bigger than that. I know, it's crazy. And then I dropped that whole thing into it again, drilling the holes. So, and then I just put a top on it with a weight um, and isn't, some blankets. Isn't that called a Russian guitar cabinet? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, cool, man. So yeah. uh, that's, that's a cool concept. So the boxes aren't a whole lot bigger than the amps. Um, no. So it's not like you need... It's not like you need to eat up half the room building something. No, and actually I have them both in a closet right now. So they're side by side. Um, we can have a guitar player or two guitar players totally cranking and they're back into this closet a little bit away from the drums and there's zero bleed, which is really awesome. Okay, and so you put a mic inside the box that yeah. mics the cabinet. So everything's pretty close quarters in that box. Very what, close quarters. What do you discover about the sound? Um, what have you learned okay. about like... Do you have to dial your amp slightly differently for that to work on the recording, that kind of thing? Right. Most people walk in, and I, I, I noticed a big difference when I went over to, I'm using the Cascade ribbon mics in there, um, and that was a game changer, and it seemed to really warm things up and take away any, uh, there was a weird distortion that I was getting that was not describable. I had it on SM57, I uh, had it on uh, one of the Sennheisers, and then uh, Michael Estock actually told me, he says, dude, go out and get some of these microphones. They were like 200 bucks each. We put it on, and without any EQ, without changing anything, the sound drastically got better, and I was like, oh, that's what I was missing. So we just found the sweet spot in the, in the box, and I don't move those microphones. Now, I've got a 112 cabinet, and a 210 cabinet. So there's a difference in the sounds right away, and we can just switch speaker cabinets real quick. Um, if anything, I've heard that there might be a little bit of low-mid buildup, um, and that is easily taken care of. Now I'm working with the Apollo stuff, Universal Audio, mm -hmm. um, which is basically like having a console on the way in, and I'm able to dial a little bit of that out. Nobody even just a little bit of anything. EQ takes yeah, care of whatever that is. EQ, absolutely. Yeah, which is, um, I mean, obviously, I think we we enjoy when we don't have to do an EQ. We feel pretty proud of ourselves if we <laughs> put a mic at something that's like it sounds perfect without right, EQ. Right, right. But I mean, you know, equalization is, uh, um, you know, as as it's invented, it's sort of considered a corrective tool. Right. You know, so so when you put a mic close to something, you get proximity effect and the mm -hmm. EQ sort of compensates for that. So that's makes, makes perfect sense to use yeah, it that way. Yeah. Plus you're probably, you're doing subtractive EQ on it. Probably you're pulling Absolutely. a little bit out. Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, that argument exists, you know, subtractive EQ is better than additive EQ, whatever. Right. Right. <laughs> but, um, okay. So that's very cool. So, yeah. you know, it's nice to be able to set up so easily. And I like how your cabinets are like, you don't even have to mic up or plug it in no. you just plug in uh, you just plug the amp head into which cabinet you want to use right and right. i've actually got um amps available at the the studio i use valve train amps and uh it's like a tweed throwback you know um most guys will bring and i'm, I'm always i tell guitar players you know go ahead and bring your heads along and most times they hear what I have and it just works. So everybody knows just, you know, and I've got two available. So if we want to do um, 
if I have two guitar players, boom, I'm ready to go. If I have one guy and I want to record him stereo out of his uh, effects pedals, that's also another great thing because nowadays guitar players have so many toys to play with and they're their stereo effects can be really cool. The, de, you know, the delays and the reverbs, um, why not capture that going in instead of me sitting for hours trying to mix and find a sound, let, let the players do what players do. Yeah. You know, that's a big thing for me. I, I really try and hire players that bring the sound that I want and not only just play the right notes, capture the right feel capture the right sound and just have a great vibe for the session. It All makes right. my job a lot easier. Yeah, no. And I, I agree when I get a chance to work with great players, yeah. it's always uh, so rewarding. You just sit back and you're like, man, that's great. It's like you, you're doing more listening than right. doing stuff. You know? Right. And, and as you know, after you get these guys in there and you have great takes and you have great tracks and they walk away feeling good about the session and you feel good. Your mix down time is going to be a lot less. Your editing time is going to be a lot less. And honestly, the the project is going to sound better than trying to create something out of something that's not that great. Right. You know? Well, here we are in Nashville, you right. know, a place where you've got real instruments playing with real singers. Right. Um, so obviously players... And musicianship is an important part of actually creating the sound of a band in the studio, too. Mm -hmm. um, where did the guitar players stand on a session? Are they in headphones in the same room with the drummers? Do you like to have the guitar yeah. players listening through the speakers in the control room if no, their amps this, are isolated? This is a great thing. So, yeah, so I've got my quote-unquote live room, the, the garage, and in there I've got the drums, and then I usually put the bass player and the guitar player in there, or if I have two guitar players, or sometimes the steel um, in that live room, I've got these, the headphones that are, and I'm forgetting the name of the company. They're like the, the gun muffles, uh, Oh, right, right. Um, extreme isolation, yes, extreme, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. So everybody can listen on headphone mix. I've had, I've got hearbacks for everybody. Um, the hearback monitoring systems. So everybody, those, you know, bring the sound level down. So they're not getting beat up by the drummer. Um, and they're actually able to hear themselves. And then in the control room where I'm at are all the keyboards. And then there's a vocal booth. And if I need to record acoustic guitar, I'll put myself on headphones in the control room. Um, and I've got a microphone in there that the acoustic player can just go to town. And yeah, yeah, that's a cool thing. I, you know, it's funny, the experience of sessions where you have where you're listening through speakers in the control room versus sessions where you're listening through headphones headphones in the control room because you're recording in there right. as well and it, it's one of those things that i remember it was it was you know surprising and and maybe you know took a couple of tries before i finally learned it the control the control room your control room is a perfectly usable space mm -hmm. to record something in you may have a, a singer who prefers to sing in the control room and get away from the band you know you right. might you might even um, be surprised to discover that you can have something recording like a vocal in the control room and you don't need to be in headphones. You just have the speakers on, you know, right. sometimes, you know, it's a scratch vocal or whatever, but rock stars, I encourage you to remember that that's a, a usable space. If you're in a home studio, you're probably using it all the time anyway, you know. Absolutely. And, and that's a great point. And I just came up with something the other day and I've been recording for a, a while now um, I was laying down a B3 track for a client and I do a lot of, uh, 
internet work where people um, hire me to play, you know, I've done countless albums for John Tagliari up in, um, where is he out? Up Northeast. And, you know, we never are in the same room together. Well, anyway, so I was doing a, a, a B3 take and I was playing B3 before I started and I was like, man, this sounds amazing. Put on headphones. And even though I've got everything dialed in, I got my B3 in stereo and my headphones, but it's close mic'd and it was just something missing. And I was like, you dummy, put up a nice room mic. So I've got these stairs that go upstairs and it, it has kind of a little bit of uh, ambient thing going on. So I threw a room mic up there, cranked it up. And all of a sudden, I mean, right now the hairs on my arms are standing up because it was so good. <laughs> like, why haven't I been doing this? And, you know, uh, I sent the tracks and I actually printed that um, room track on it. And the guy was like, man, your B3 sounds so good. So, you know, like now I'm doing it on the piano at the same place. And uh, so, so you're you, using, you have a real B3. Real B3, yeah. And what about uh, the Leslie? Real real Leslie. Do you know, which model is it? Uh, it's a 122. 122, okay. Yeah. Dig it's it, a 122. Man. It's mic'd up, ready to go. And now uh, this room mic is so like. So while I'm thinking about it, yeah. I'm going to give a shout out to a new Hammond tech that I just worked with here really? in Nashville named Ray Hubbard. Okay. And he came to me through Seal Keyworks, which right is down on. towards Franklin, I think. So I know Rockstars, if you're not in Nashville, it's probably meaningless to you. But if you're anywhere close mm -hmm. and you're looking for a great tech, I do recommend calling Seal Keyworks and having Ray come into town. He just fixed up my, I have an, a Hammond 101 and a Leslie is, um, maybe it's a 122, but it says 147 and written on a sticker. So I'm not sure which one right, it is right now, right. but it's pretty tall yeah. and he made it sound great. This show is sponsored by Recording Studio Rockstars Academy, where you can go to take your recording, mixing, and mastering to the next level. And you can start right now with my free introduction to mixing course, Mix Master Bundle. This course will show you how to get pro-sounding mixes from your home studio with free and stock plugins and Pro Tools. And the best part is that these mixing techniques will work for you in any DAW, whether you are in Logic, Cubase, PreSonus Studio One, Reaper, or anything you can think of. Are you ready to make your best record ever? Then go to Mix masterbundle.com to get started for free now or look for the clickable link in the show notes of this episode so let me let me um get you to dig in a little bit more into how do you mic up a leslie so for the rock stars who are listening and they're like they go into a studio let's record the leslie oh yeah what do i do now right right what's a smart way to mic that thing up um so typically what guys do is they put something on to capture the low end and then two on the top. So the low end, you might want to put like a, a 52 on it or something or like a kick drum mic. Let's just simple, simplify it. And then on the top, grab two SM57s and put them pointing towards um, the each, top rotor. Each corner or something. Each yeah. corner, yeah. So they're equal distance and you have to, you know, think about phasing and that type of thing, but just throw them up and see what that sounds like. Sometimes you have to be careful of wind noise because there are right. moving parts to this. So like, let's say your player or you kick up the rotor or the, uh, the Leslie, you're going to get. So if that's attractive to you in your recording, great, but I'm going to guess it's probably not. So angle the microphone. So that way you get rid of that wind noise um, because what will happen is your keyboard player might forget and not spin the Leslie down 
and that's an unwanted noise that you don't want right. to be recording. It just, be, it's just, just wind noise just in yeah, the middle yeah, of the track. Exactly. Okay, so cool. I'm glad you brought up 57s because, yeah. you know, having a choice of microphones here, I've tried different things and you think condenser mics. I mean, I remember when I went to school at MTSU, they were like, mm. we pulled out stereo AKG 414s for the top, stereo AKG 414s oh, wow. for the bottom, stereo ones for the room, stereo, you know, it was like a bazillion mics. And I don't think it sounded very good either, but um, I don't think we knew how to play the organ at the time. Okay, well, <laughs> but, sure. But here I've done, I remember doing a track and then just putting up, quickly putting up a pair of 57s. And this was an mm -hmm. organ that needed to blend in with a full band sound right. too. And I was like, holy shit, that sounds great. It's yeah. like the perfect mid-range. Yep. You don't have to do a bunch of stuff to it later at mix. Mm -hmm. Now, and then there was one time where happy accidents happened in the studio and having your control room, because I have the B3 in there, uh, I was going really quick through the headphones on hit record and one of the tracks was on the acoustic guitar mic, which was sitting next to me. And it had this cool sound and I ended up printing that for, um, so, I mean, use the close up mics for the B3, but definitely experiment with a room mic and different placements on that. Just yeah. add color and character to it. Yeah. I feel like the close mics give you, um, they definitely give you the stereo effect. So if mm -hmm. you're, if you're doing stereo top and you're, and you want to pan them left and right, right. you get that big wide organ thing yeah, and you get the speed up, slow down. Could be really cool on choruses to help, you know, widen things out. Yeah. And, yeah. But the room mic, like when I do the room mics, that's where you get the, the deep purple growl going. Absolutely. The big heavy weight of it. Um, very cool. So let's see, what else was I going to say about that? The uh, Oh, the other detail about it is I learned recently that the low drum spins the opposite direction from the horns up top. Right. I think I remember learning about that from Ray. I was like, oh, they go a different direction. Uh-huh. <laughs> so there you go. And then I just got a half moon switch installed on mine. So you nice. put that on there where before I was using one of those um, pedals. Mm-hmm. That like sort of interfaces or a quarter inch cable goes from the organ into right, the pedal right. and the pedal has the speed switch on it, but the pedal also has like a gain control. And that's, if you have a pedal and a Leslie, that's what you can use to plug a guitar into a Leslie cabinet Absolutely. or like, right. you know, plug some other mic and, and get like, you know, the piano through the Leslie sound, like a uh, Pink Floyd metal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's stuff. Good How's stuff. that name for, for name dropping? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. All right, cool. So um, yeah. talk to us about some of your other keyboards that you play there. I know you play accordion too, but what, so what else you got? I play accordion. Um, I've talked about the Yamaha upright that I have, um, which I simply dropped two DPA mics into it, uh, which are small, small microphones, and they're really cool. Um, that allows me to keep the lid closed because I am in the control room and just kind of takes out a, more noise in the room. Um, let's let's dig into that a little bit. Sure. So the DPAs, they make these tiny microphones yeah. that look like they would be a lapel mic, right? Absolutely, yeah. So is that the, the size yes. of the mics you're using? And so where do you drop them in? Where do they hang? How would you describe where yeah, they should go? So I open up the top of the piano, and then on each side I found, and I played with this a little bit and took, took time to listen back um, to what I was getting and it, they're about, about, I would say about a foot in on each side, just kind of makes a nice little stereo thing going on. And all the notes are represented equally. There's no spot that uh, sticks out 
um, it's very balanced. They make so if, if they hang in through the top, are they sort of closer to you in the front wood of the piano? So no, are they like more up against the, the wood? On they're one up side against the strings, pretty close. Pretty close to the strings. All right. Yeah, it, they're I pretty incredible because again, I really didn't have to do much to those. Do you know if they're both Omni mics? They probably are. I think right? they are. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. So it's, again, it's just that process of, you know, and it's it's a benefit if you have your own studio because then you can take some time right. to move things around until you're like, I like that, and then yeah. leave it set up. And you talk about, um, do you also keep your drum um, set mic'd up and ready to go, or is that something no, you have to set up? No, that's always dr- mic'd up, ready to go. It is, okay. Which is cool because if I'm doing a mix down of something and I'm like, oh, I need a cymbal swallow or something else or another hit, I'll just go out and play it myself. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. You dude, know? Dude, oh, that missing fill. Oh, exactly. wow, man. Oh, I yeah. was just dealing with missing fills totally. recently. I was just... Or uh, the end of the song, if they want to close the door on it, you know, put a boom in it. You yeah. Know, I've already had somebody who doesn't play drums go in and do that after the fact. Or a tambourine part, just go to the overheads and it's ready to go. Um, and that's something I've also built up with everything being mic'd up. I've built an awesome template. So, you know... Workflow is so important in a studio. And I think if you want to get, not if you want to get good, but if you want to get efficient in doing things, get a, get a good template, get something that works and go to it and then improve on it. Be like, Hey, this worked really great this time. I think I'll go back to the template after these people leave and change it. So the next time I've got this, um, so yeah, so everything does stay set up and you know, the template's ready to go for that reason. All right. Well, so th- this prompts many questions for me, Yeah. but since we're talking about templates, why don't we just talk about that a little bit more? Sure. So the template, template can mean a number of things. It can okay. mean um, a starting place when you're about to record the band. It could yes. mean a starting place when you're going to mix. Um, do you have separate templates for the recording and the mixing, mm. or do you just have one that you record into that becomes the mix as well? Right. No, this is good to clarify. No, for me, a template means a a starting place to record the band. So that means that all my inputs, so I've got three Apollos that are plugged in full of stuff at all times. So I've got 24 channels ready to go. So everything, my kick, snare, snare two, if that's a, you know, bottom snare or a side snare, hat, tom one, tom two, um, your overhead left, overhead right, room left, room right. Those are all ready to go armed, grouped. I mean, I've even gone and grouped them so that way when I arm them, I'm not arming 10 tracks. I'm just hitting one button and it's ready to go. And does a template include, with the Apollo, does it include the actual mic pre-gain settings as well? I do. I've got that. That's separate in the console setting. Um, and I've got that template ready to go also. That's just kind of a work in progress. I wouldn't even call that a template. Right, right, always right. Because every drummer hits differently too. Say that again? Every drummer hits differently. Absolutely. So that's a lot of, um, you know, on the fly gain staging, uh, you know, working on the gains and how it sounds and what song you're recording. Um, but going back to, I use Logic. Um, so everything, cool. all my inputs are ready to go. And then... It's also being ready to be mixed. So I've got um, my preset kind of go-tos, like for a vocal I want to have, I know I want to have an 1176 and a LA-2A ready to go. So I don't have to go searching for that plug-in. I, they're there. They're not armed, but, you know, I just turn the power on and then I, I can quickly go to that. All so right, so do you use the 1176 and the LA-2A together? I do. 
And which one goes first? Ah, uh, the eleven seventy six. That's that's my world too, man. I did <laughs> yeah. the eleven seventy six first. Yeah, it just something worked. about that sound. It, you know, if I record a vocal without the eleven seventy six in there, it'll sound great. But if I want it to be a little more in your face and a little more like, yeah, you know, front forward of a rock band or something like that, mm -hmm. just drop that eleven seventy six in there, and it just snaps it right yeah forward. it's really cool and i've tried different thing and i've tried um waves vocal rider and sometimes that works sometimes i don't get it to work really great you know we want to know a, a funny uh um side note yeah your voice that they're listening to and my voice right now are going through waves vocal rider. oh i mean it's by the, the best, time this is mixed. It's the best plug-in ever <laughs> sorry no no it's great for um i don't use it yet on music in the studio right but i use it completely for mixing the podcast because oh, that's cool for long yeah. two voices, just trying to keep the voices mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, keep the levels really clear. I'm very proud of myself. One of, one of my goals for the podcast is that, um, rock stars, you can put your phone on speakerphone, set it down, walk around the kitchen and clearly hear our voices wherever you are. Absolutely. And that's not true of all podcasts. I will no, say that. That's very true. So, uh, so that's one of the things that I really try and aspire to is just oh, make it cool. really easy to hear what we're saying. So now it's up to us to say something good, right? Right, absolutely. <laughs> okay, cool. So um, you've got this template for the recording side of things. What about effects? Do you just sort of have any particular effects that are always in the template and ready for the recording stage? In the recording stage, yes. I've got um, singers always, well, there's an exception to this rule, of course, but um, nine times out of ten want some reverb on their voice when they're going down. Now, this is a special challenge that I ran into early on um, back in the computer days where we didn't have something like the Apollos and we could add reverb but not record it. So how do you do that? That was a special challenge. So, yeah, I've always got a, um, a reverb ready to go on the vocal. I don't print that. That is just for their headphones and make everybody comfortable. Um but that's it. Everything else is um, just EQ'd and s sounding great in the headphones. And that's the way it goes in. My goal, I mean, I think being a musician, I would go into studios and sometimes I would be very frustrated at um, the quality of the headphone mixes. And I think it's very important if you're recording um, to set up a great headphone mix for your players because that'll translate into better performances that'll translate into everybody being a little bit happier because they can hear um another great thing is communication and uh, i'm a big one let's communicate about everything nowadays and um how does the band communicate so i've got these big headphones that you know, isolate everybody from everybody else and how do they talk to each other now? So I've got talkback switches in front of each station um, with little microphones, whatever I have laying around like the 57s or um, an old PV that I've had for 20 years. Um, but those microphones feed into the musicians here back um, so they're allowed to communicate quickly and easily without having to slip off headphones and just again, workflow, making yeah, things Yeah, that's happen. super cool. That's something yeah. that I remember discovering in Nashville. And I've never had the talkback switches. I've, I've come up with some other mm. versions of that. But, uh, but, you know, the key takeaway is making it as quickly recognizing on a session um, or on repeated sessions that 
communication is slowing down the process or people not mm-hmm. hearing each other is very mm-hmm. frustrating and try, coming up with a solution. So can you break that down a little more? Are you talking about talkback switches? Is this something we like go on Amazon and buy a talkback no, switch? Is I, it something I you had to build? Okay, this is somebody, uh, a guitar player, Brian Nutter, built for me probably 15 years ago. He said, this is what you need. And it's a small little stomp box that you just press it down and it engages and turns your microphone on. Um, and but it's then like when momentary. You, if you lift your foot, right? Yeah, you raise your foot and then the signal goes away. Um, so that's who built those for me. And I've held on to them for years. Um, and they're just great. So I think a cool thing about that is, um, so Rockstar is a way to think about it is if you turn up a mic for a talk back and you're trying to just crank it up so that everybody can hear the problem is, you know, somebody hits a drum or plays mm. a guitar chord and all of a sudden it blows everybody's heads up yes. or blows up your speakers in the control room. And when you can have the talkback switch on an additional, you know, 57 or just right. some some simple, cheap, dynamic mic exactly. that's up near their voice, right? Um, it makes it easy to hear what they're saying at a at a because they're turning it up. It's loud only in that moment. Another um, th- another thing I do, even on top of that, is put a limiter on it, right? Because the drummer inevitably is going to have his foot on the switch and he's going to go to play that fill and everybody's going to go ah. So right. if you can just squash that, that'd be great, you know. And so these mics all feed into like just a cheap mixer or an, or an extra little Mackie mixer no, or something it, like that? Mac, Mackie 1604 that I've had for years. Okay, cool. Um, so they all just submix down to that and then they go one channel into the Apollo. And you just put the limiter on an insert of the Mackie or something exactly. like that. Or you could put it on the Apollo well, I do and it on the console in. nowadays, but yeah. yeah. Back in the day, I had one just on an insert. Okay, cool. So one other aspect of it that I feel like I should mention is mm-hmm. as a musician, when you're trying to communicate with everybody and you're talking, it sucks when you have to feel like you're yelling over the band or, yes. you, or you just give up. You're just like, I'm just going to wait until dude stops noodling on his guitar exactly. and then I'll talk, you know? Mm-hmm. So these mics make it easy for somebody to like in a comfortable volume. Yeah, yeah. Say what needs to be said so people can hear it. So or, it's a cool idea. Yeah, because you're basically running the show a lot of times and if you're on the clock or your client is like paying by the hour, you want your musicians to be efficient so you can kind of call the shots and it's an easy way to talk to for everybody to talk to everybody and get things moving. Um another thing speaking of communication is I use video cameras in the studio. Um, and is there I, line of sight or is there not no, line of sight? not line okay, of sight. Okay, all right, cool. So Talk about that. my control room, you actually go through a bathroom and a laundry room out to the garage. So there's this nice buffering space um, for the drums, but there's no line of sight. So I'm like, I really want to have a visual on people. So this would be as you were looking through from your control room to the singer behind a plate of glass. Let's just imagine that. Um, so what I did is I went to Best Buy bought a four pack of um, security cameras and then I hooked those up. So there's a camera on each player and then there's a TV in the control room with a box with, you know, the four cameras on it so I can see everybody. And what the cool thing about that is there was one time where there was no, everybody was being quiet and I was like, all right, what's going on? And I look over easily. I can see that the guitar player's tuning and everybody's just waiting for him. Rather than jumping on the talk back and going, all right, come on, let's go. Come on, what's the deal, guys? Hey, hey. Um, And then vice versa, they have a TV out there, and then I have one camera on the room 
so they can see me, they can see the client, and it's just it's creates a good vibe. It feels like everybody's together rather than isolated in a room and you're like, is anybody listening to me? You know? <laughs> I remember, um, I think it was the, the Bennett house out in Franklin. Uh, uh, it was the first place I saw that where a control room had like a little black and white TV, mm, but it was very old school, you know? Sure. So, and I'm, I'm intrigued by that because I've thought about that before and I've thought, um, wouldn't it be cool to have little video feeds where you could see pe what people are doing? Yeah. Talk about, um, so you described what makes it useful and, and good in the studio. Talk about some of the challenges that you run into when you were trying to pick the right one, or was there a weird delay happening in the video feed between oh, what you hear in, the, you. in there? You know, what, what can, um, what do you run into? What's it not good for? What's it great for? So price was an issue. Um, and I wanted to keep costs low, but yet, uh, go for something that works. So I went with wired, um, you know, I had to run wires for the uh, cameras, which is no big deal. The wireless cameras, there's lag time. So okay. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest those. Like I have them on the outside of the house. It's like a three to five second delay, depending on how strong your internet is that day. Yeah, right. Um, but that's good to know that the wired ones are both cheaper and actually yeah, quicker. I think I got this four pack for like 175 bucks. And yeah, I'm going to go just, get one. They just work. You know, you turn it on, there's nothing to deal with. Um, Maybe I'll run out and go buy one during the jam session. You break should, here. yeah. <laughs> and another thing is that they're hooked up to a hard drive and they constantly record. I never look at it, but God forbid if I would ever get broken into or something, you know, I'm going to see who's taking those drums because I got you on video. <laughs> well, I mean, think about all those times something just magical or really funny happened in the studio totally. and you're like, man, now I wish we had... It. I, there was times where I was like, man, I should hook up mics that are just recording 24 seven right. so I can rewind and go capture right. that moment. Yeah. You know, that perfect intro to a song that didn't get recorded or just the funny joke somebody told. Um, okay, cool. So really they, can somebody, can you watch somebody do a count off on there or watch Absolutely. somebody like do a fill and, and land together? Absolutely. Endings of the songs are a great example for that. Um, you might do a big retard at the end and then who's cueing it. So we decide before, or even if I'm playing piano and another beautiful thing is I can actually play along with the players that are playing in the, the live room. Um, I can cue the ending or give them a count in or a hand gesture or something like that. So that's a totally useful tool. Okay. Very cool. All right. Yeah. I think I might have to consider that here. So you, um, again, it's probably two systems. It's four cameras out there. Mm -hmm. that are wired into the control room exactly. and wired to a screen for you to see. So you probably have a separate computer monitor or screen monitor that's separate up little to TV. see those cameras. Yeah, I've got a little 32-inch. And then in the the live room, I've got, like, I think a 40-inch with one camera on the control room. Right, and that's, again, and a hardwire. It's hardwired in it. and, you know. That's works. cool, man. Yeah. I like it. It's fun. Groovy. All right, well, let's take a break now, um, and we'll come back in in just a moment for the jam session. We'll dig more into the ways that you're recording your instruments, your drums, your accordions, your guitars, your basses, all that stuff. Sounds great. And uh, we'll, we'll dig into some of the deeper topics of making records. Rockstars, a reminder, you, we've got links to stuff we're talking about in the show notes at rsrockstars.com or just click through on your mobile device now and um, you'll find links straight over to Lee's website. You can go listen to some of his awesome records and, uh, and hear his work. We'll see awesome. you in just a minute for the jam session. All right. Are you 
using a Mac in your recording studio? Are you tired of feeling like the studio setup you worked so hard to create is becoming obsolete too quickly? Wouldn't it feel great to have a trusted friend to help you keep your existing Mac and studio setup current and relevant so that you can focus on the thing you love most, which is making great music? Well, now you can rely on OWC, Otherworld Computing, which you can find at OWC.com, whose mission it is to help you get the most mileage out of your existing Mac. Whether you need to upgrade your RAM, install an SSD drive, add more connectivity, or simply find a great used Mac that's ready to rock, OWC will help take your studio far into the future with a vast library of DIY install videos, 24-7 friendly support, and free shipping in the U.S. on most items over $49. Why get frustrated and ditch your existing computer when you can take your studio far into the future with OWC? Learn more at OWC.com and find out how awesome your Mac can be at OWC. If you want to design and build a great house, then you're going to need great tools. You could build it with an old hammer and some nails, but it's a whole lot easier to use an air compressor and a nail gun. Well, the same thing goes for mixing. If you really want to create a pro-sounding mix, then it makes a lot of sense to start with a great toolbox of awesome plugins. This is where Boz Digital Labs comes in to help you get killer mixes easily, quickly, and creatively. Provocative will make your vocals sound lush and wide. Transgressor and Manic Compressor can help your drums leap out of the speakers. Katie Weighty and Big Beautiful Door offer unique new ways to tighten up your tracks, while The Wall will make sure your mixes are in your face and competitive. And my favorite is Sasquatch Kick Machine, which can transform your kick drum from sounding like a home studio cardboard box into the perfect punchy kick without using samples or triggers. To download your unlimited trial of any plugin now or get one of Boz's free plugins, go to bozdigitallabs.com and put the best in your mixing toolbox. Click the link below in the show notes to learn more. If you want to capture every nuance of a great performance in your studio, then you need to start with a microphone that is crafted with great care and attention to detail. Jay-Z Mics in Riga, Latvia designs amazing sounding microphones that are handcrafted with jeweler's precision to bring you incredible detail in your recordings. At the heart of Jay-Z microphones is the unique golden drop capsule design, which uses a lighter, faster diaphragm that delivers great clarity and fidelity while avoiding distracting color and distortions. Make sure to check out the Black Hole series BH1S and BH2 with the awesome looking hole in the middle of the mic combining innovative industrial design with meticulous electrical engineering to help your studio sound incredibly expensive for an affordable price. Jay-Z offers a five-year warranty, free shipping to the U.S., and 30-day money-back guarantee. Plus, for a limited time, if you use the coupon ROCKSTAR, you will get an astonishing 50% off. I got one. You're hearing my voice right now on the BH1S. So what are you waiting for, rock stars? Go to jzmike.com or click the link in the show notes below. Hey, rock stars, we're back now for the jam session. My guest today is Lee Turner joining us. Um, Nashville cat, originally from Wisconsin, making mm-hmm. great records um, and uh, here in the studio with us. So are you ready to jam, Lee? I'm ready to jam. Come on. All right. So I know one of the things that you and I had a moment to um, talk about just before this podcast was that you you just mentioned that you had been through a couple of, I think, iterations of studio and some some life yes. changes and journeys <laughs> and stuff like that. And without digging any deeper with the question, I just wondered if you wanted to talk about some of your, your importance experiences on your your life and recording absolutely, journey absolutely absolutely um 
So, yeah, so this is a good one and uh, a very important part in my life. So I had been, when I moved down to Nashville, I got married and had my first studio and things were going really well and I was learning and grabbing tools along the way, but things just weren't right. And I ended up getting a divorce. Um, I got remarried again. And then this is where the game changer came in is I got sober and that was six years ago. Um, this is a big, important part in my life and it's, it just relates to so many things in my life and my music now that I feel that I want to share this with people because if I can share this with anybody that's listening that might be struggling right now, um, it, I just want to show you that it, it is possible to do and to work through and, um, things only get better when you tackle this thing. So I got sober six years ago. Everything was packed up in a storage unit. Um, then when I went through divorce number two, uh, I was able to say, all right, you know, I'm 40 years old. I want, my name is Lee. I want to have a studio in the house. I want to ride my bike and, and I want to, um, make music, you know, and play on the road and just enjoy, uh, enjoy life. So I found, um, God put in my path, this incredible woman who I met at the airport and that's a whole nother podcast (laughs) right there. Uh, her name is Tiffany and we got married, uh, two and a half years ago. And even when I met her, I was like, my name is Lee. I want to have a studio in the house. I like to ride my bike. Like I was completely honest, um, with her. And so we found this house. It's a little ranch with a walkout basement. And that's where I have my studio and everything fit. Um, Why do I bring this up? You know, we are in a, uh, in a, in an industry. I mean, alcohol and drugs are all around and, but we're in an industry where sometimes it's used to create quote unquote. And how do I navigate that with, having a studio. And this is a a definite, uh, there's a group of guys that I have a Tuesday morning talk with Michael Estox and Jim Stewart's in it. Oh yeah. Um, and, uh, is Stuart Richardson in that one too? Yes. Yes. And, um, so we get together and we talk about, and we had a whole, uh, discussion about this. Like, how do you deal with, uh, people drinking in the studio or doing other things? Um, my studio is completely clean. If people want to bring it in fine, but they know my journey and most people are respectful. And the cool thing about it is I had this girl up from, um, Australia and she says to me, she says, this is the first time I've been in a studio where nobody's drank and we've gotten so much done. And I was like, yes, you know, and it just like made me happy. Um, so that's just really important. It's not, you know, it's not everything of who I am, but it really leads into being honest with yourself, being honest with your clients. What are you able to handle? Um, and on and on. So if anybody wants to reach out to me and talk about this even more, I mean, I'd love to talk about recording stuff, but if you are maybe even struggling with this yourself and you, I'm an open book, I'll talk to you. Do you want to, um, drop in a way for them to reach you right now? Yeah, absolutely. You can email me through my website, which is www, uh, two, the number two, 22. So spell out 22 dot studio. Um, or you can find me on Facebook or Instagram and just instant, instant message me there. That would be totally fine. I'm up so for let that. Me, let me say it back again. So it's yeah. number two, word 20, number two, 
We're dot studio. Dot studio. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, all right, Groovy. So yeah. let me ask you uh, a couple of questions about that, um, maybe before and after questions. So yeah. uh, I, I totally agree with you. I understand, like, getting into the music and the recording and everything, It's we're surrounded by it. It's surrounded. a party. It's a yeah. party atmosphere. Exactly. And party can mean lots of drinking. It can mean lots of drugs. It could mean, yeah. you know, a festive attitude, whatever it is for somebody. Yeah. But um, it's certainly understandable that that's where... Um, a lot of music and recording can be born from. Sure. But then as we get older too, um, maybe you don't even have to get that much older, <laughs> right. depending on how intense it is mm-hmm. for you. Um, you discover, you may very well discover that I can't continue that or that doesn't work or that's damaging. Um, and so you transition. What are some of the things that you, you, you described uh, a client pointing out wow, we got so much done on this session. I've done a session where the first instrument that came in the door for the band was a giant cooler spilling with ice and beer. And I was like, good Lord, you know, here we go. And they're walking in and it's my home studio too. And I was like, um, literally when it was in the home and I was just like, oh my God. All right. Well, you know, you know, and I was already at a place where um, I remember when I started out learning how to record and, and I tried to join the band and all the fun and festivities right, right. and I got, um, you know, and I, they passed the pipe around and I, I sure. hit it too. Absolutely. And then I took look one, one look at the patch bay and I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, and so like, you know, for me, um, maybe it's in my personality that, that I, you know, on some level was able to just say, okay, you know, division of, of work and play here. Right. I'm going to, you know, yeah. not going for all that if I'm in work mode. Right. Um, what I'm, where am I going with this? Oh, so, so, you know, they will on a thing of beer and I'm, I'm not going to have a whole bunch of beer. I usually, yeah. you know, might be one at the very end or something. But, um, my point is, or my question is, mm-hmm. what are some things that you noticed about your, like, what are some, talk about some improvements or like, what are some things that feel <laughs> like, wow, this feels pretty good, you know? Um, if that's a fair question, yeah, to that's ask. a fair question. Everything improved. I mean, uh, time management improved. I mean, I remember working on mixes late night and you wake up the next morning and they're not good. They were not good or playing piano. Um, I would come up with these compositions late night and they were just not great. Um, and now I'm able to get up and and function and have a clear head. And that's also one of the things that will improve. Like if you're not using or drinking yourself, um, your attitude gets better. You're able to handle life as it comes along. You know, uh, the, one of the big things is it's sober, which means son of a bitch, everything's real. <laughs> you know, <laughs> nice. I haven't heard that. So that's it just everything gets better for me. Well, I do remember somebody that I knew many years ago who who um, described to me quitting drinking, and he was like, "Well, first of all, you begin to sleep through the night. Right. You you're no longer waking up in the middle of the night. Right. Because uh, you know, and I was like, I was like, oh yeah, I never realized that, you know. But sure enough, um, that is one of the things. And to wake up, uh, and I remember when I was younger, just intentionally cutting out alcohol and caffeine for a month, and um. And the experience at that point was like waking up super clear headed in the morning yeah. and ready to go. Ready and that's, go. that's, it's like discovering a whole new, 
um, portion of the day that didn't exist for me at that and time. And you know, and, and doing the thing that we're doing recording is not easy sometimes. And because music is, I always like to say, you've all heard the phrase, music's a universal language. And I don't think it really is like, because everybody has an opinion. There's certain ways that yes, we could, should achieve a drum sound like this, or we should mic a piano like this, or we talked about the B3. That's great. But there's so many other ways to deal with that. And like, um, another thing is this Yeti cup that I have my coffee in. I said, uh, <laughs> our clients are a lot like these Yeti cups because you can pick them up and there's no temperature and you don't know if inside that client's going to be hot that day or cold that day or what they like, if they like more reverb, oh, less reverb. Nice. And I think now I'm able to handle that. And I, I met a mixer here in town and he's, he was such a great attitude. And he goes, sometimes we're just like people that, you know, we're no different than the guy serving McDonald's, you know, do you want fries with that? Instead of saying, do you want fries with that? It's like, you want more reverb with that? You want more delay? Would you like less delay? You know? Yeah. And I think just being clear headed and being sober for me is like, I can handle anything in any situation and clients can stress you out and not communicate with you. And create all these problems. And I just feel like I'm better equipped to handle it now. So. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that I keep coming back to, and I try and just talking about this with one of my interns mm -hmm. was encouraging the experience of getting in all the other shoes in the studio as quickly as possible as a learning experience. Because, um, when you put yourself in the artist shoes or the mm -hmm. songwriter shoes or the one who's responsible for this work that you're all creating together and if it sucks it's your fault you know right then you begin to understand it's like man it's really hard to know what to do and to know how to express whether you like it or don't like it or sure. you know how to comment on a mix that somebody's playing for you you know what do you think you're like i, I don't know how i have no clue i've never done this mm. song before you know right. whatever right so or you know there's a there's another side where you fall in love with what you what you've done and you fall in love with your mix and then all of a sudden the client doesn't like something right. you've done and it emotionally and attacks you yeah. and you're like I'm selling everything this is ridiculous and it's just it's that's where I say music isn't universal because something that you love and you've poured your heart into somebody else cannot like and that's okay. Yeah. It's kind of that like dating okay. or something. Right? It is like dating. <laughs> <laughs> it's rough. Yeah. You just got to put it out there. Yeah. And, you know, maybe I know we're getting all meta with this, but you know, yeah. another takeaway is that the fact that the client didn't like that mix move you did, or that wasn't the right answer yet, mm -hmm. doesn't in any way take away the value of how good that felt to come up with that mix move and the True. work and you put into it and yeah, your heart you put exactly into it. Right. They can both exist simultaneously. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's a good takeaway. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that with us, Absolutely, man. I appreciate man. that. And, yeah. and, um, I think for some people, this may really resonate. Um, and it doesn't matter whether you're younger or older or no. whatever. I mean, these are all just serious considerations. Absolutely. And like I said, reach out if you need it. Um, let's talk, let's, all right. You ready to geek some more? Come on, let's <laughs> geek out. All right. I'll try. Uh, drums. You talked drums, about yes. your setup for recording drums, but mm -hmm. um, dig into the mics. What mics do you like to use? Mics. On, um, I had a Beta 52 on a kick drum. I switched that out for, when I first started, I had this Sennheiser package and I've slowly gone back to some of that stuff. Um, so the Sennheiser, I don't remember what it is, a 601 maybe or something on a kick. Does the, oh yeah, on the kick. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. 
And do you just use a single mic on the kick? Do you ever I find do. it useful just, to have no, two? No, I use a single kick. Um, I've also recently, and finally, I don't know if I, uh, this is hard for me to admit, I got trigger two. So sample oh, yeah. replacing. It's a per, you know, all right, let's, <sighs> I, let's take a moment a <laughs> to appreciate what it used to be like versus what it is like now. Thank you. Do okay. you remember how hard it used to be to try and add samples to a kick drum or oh a gosh. snare and a song? Yeah, absolutely. Um, how did <laughs> reminisce for a moment? I, what, what did you used to have to do to try and even add something to the drums? I honestly, I, I, I had to manipulate the track for me. I, I never, um, if I was adding something, I might've taken a keyboard sample and like tried to line it up and copy and paste and copy and paste. And it never sounded good. Um, but I really was going for this drum sound, this, uh, and in a home setting, I don't think I, I come really close, and especially with the Apollo stuff now, um, I'm coming really close. So I'm going to go back to that and, because I, I do believe that I have a great drum sound, and the the Trigger Two stuff just adds the icing on the cake. Yeah. Um, so I've got that on the kick drum, and then I've got the Sennheiser 903s, which was a mic that I bought a long time ago, and I got away from them. It's kind of like a 57. It's something that Sennheiser made for a short amount of time. Is that this, this sort of the squarish one? No, where it's, it's on a the regular, it looks like a vocal mic. Okay. And right, I started right. using those on rehearsals at the house for vocalists. And I was like, why do I have these? And I looked them up on the internet. I'm like, oh, they're like 200 bucks nowadays. So people want them. So I threw those back on the snares. Um, I've got the uh, 421s on the toms. Then I've just got a pair of uh, KSM 44s that I've had for years for overheads. Those are small diaphragms, right? The large ones. Oh, the lar large ones. Okay. Yep. KSM okay. 44s. And then in the the back of the room, I've got a um, Rode NT4 stereo mic that is uh, just facing the drums. And that's that's And that just adds a little bit of space and sound yeah. around it. Now, do you find that you like to also use sort of like um, artificial reverbs as part of the drum sound by the time you're getting to mix it and stuff? Um, on the snare, yes. Um, I find that if I squash the room a little bit and bring up the presence on that, that it gives it a little bit more body. Um, and the only thing that really needs to be affected is the snare drum, yeah. Yeah, it's a thing about snares. I guess, I don't know if it's worth asking the question, why do we need to add reverbs to snares? I think snare is just such a big deal in the kind of music that we do, backbeat and all that. that Absolutely. And I think snare is very important. And I have a Gretsch USA kit in the house. And then I bought a Craviato snare, which is a wooden snare. Um, and then a Black Beauty, which are, there's your two choices. And I've had... Uh, drummers come over and they just literally bring a stick bag because they know what I have sounds good. And I spent the money on good snares because you hear it throughout the song almost more than the vocal. I mean, yeah. it's so important. And with a snare, sometimes you need it to lengthen a little bit and uh, you need that sound and the, to, to do the thing that it does and decay. Um, so putting a reverb with a slight delay on it also gives it a little bit more length in the mm -hmm. track. It makes it pop out even a little bit more. That's really important. Yeah, you just make a really good point, which you just say the snare is like it's very audible throughout the whole mm -hmm. mix. You're really going to hear it. Yeah, which means maybe maybe a simple translation is because you're going to hear it so much, like the vo vocal, 
you're going to be very aware of its character, which is why mm-hmm. having the right character and tone for the snare is important. And then also the, you know, the reverb lengthening it, making it fill the space of that pocket just right and right. having a little bit of control over it at the mix time. And then we can go the absolute other way. And um, now those, uh, what are those, the company that makes the, the donuts that you put on there, the, the rings. Oh, O-rings. Yeah, that deaden the sound. Those are fantastic. Yeah, and yeah. a lot of recordings nowadays are going to that really fat, like, type of sound. And those, you flip one of those on there. Um, those are great tea towels on the toms yeah, or, yeah. you know, just deaden it and experiment with the sounds. I love that drums are going that way rather than everybody trying to compete with today's, in Nashville, the country sound, you know, and even that's changing a little bit. Right. Which is Well, really you, you know, here you are recording in a particular region, I mean, mm-hmm. a location mm-hmm. where you're surrounded by um, similar music, you know, country. What, what's, in other words, what's happening in country now and what's what's the style or whatever is totally relevant to what you're doing, whether you're going with it or against it or whatever. Right. It's like something sort of a mirror to see your your music and productions in. And I guess that would be true for anybody, although it may not be true in a local fashion. For some people, it may only be true through the internet, you know, because there might not be somebody else. Right. If you're in the middle of wherever, it might not be another studio making the same kind of music locally, but it might be, you know something that you hear on SoundCloud or on right, Bandcamp right. or whatever. And I think one interesting thing that I'm finding lately is artists that are coming in and want to create a sound or they just have great songs um, and they're not trying to get Nashville. There's people that are trying to get the country deal and they, everybody's moving to Nashville to on a hope and a dream. And I did. And thank God it worked out. You know, I've been very successful the phone kept ringing. So who am I to say what's right or wrong? But it seems like the more natural you can go when you're creating your music and just let it be what it is and not try and be like exactly like somebody else and copy those people, the more real it gets. And I just had a conversation and this is a little nugget too. I had a conversation um, yesterday with a guy in the management side and he goes, we can see right through that. Interesting. And what does that like, mean? What does that mean? Exactly. He goes, so when people are, um, I always say with my studio, it's music recorded with a purpose and, or, you know, with a reason and you want to be, you want to have your brand so we can talk about your brand, right? Well, Joe here, he can be country or he can be bro country or he can be this record labels want to see one thing. And they want to go, this guy has this. So make your music about that. Don't be, you know, just be transparent. Be who you are and let that music speak rather than trying to be somebody else. Does that right. make sense? Right. Okay. Um, how do you, what, what's some of the stuff you go through with an artist um, if you're producing or about to make a record where right. you help identify what that thing is that's in the music or you know, what is that one thing that you would describe this artist or this record? Sure. I think when I start to work with somebody, um, the first thing I say is, oh, well, this is the, the tricky part. I, what do you want this to sound like? Who are your influences? Um, and what that helps me do is that helps me pick players for the session, really. 
um, and mold. Glad you brought that up. Yeah. I wanted to ask you how you find, how okay. you choose musicians and how you help the artists choose musicians. Just had an artist come down and she wanted a Melancampy type of song. Awesome. Immediately in my mind, I got phone numbers, like guys that I'm going to call who I know can play these parts and get the sound that she wants. So um, she's, she wants a Melancampy sound and you're going to offer her a ternary production. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I have these two girls that are in Belmont. They're finishing up this duet called Hailish that I'm really excited about. It's a five song EP that we did that it sounds like nothing that I've ever done before. Um, we started talking about that. Um, here's the flip side of it. We started talking about what do they want this to sound like? And they were like, I don't know. We just want the songs to develop and go where they go. And that is the most real sounding thing I've done in a long time. It's pretty cool. So Nice. Um, all right. Well, so let's talk more about choosing the musicians. Yeah. Because I know I struggle with that sometimes too. Mm-hmm. And I've started to come up with ways to, you know, empower. I like to em- help empower the artists to feel like they're choosing musicians for their record too. Is that part of your process? How do you it is. make it that is. all come together? I think with my background being on the road for um, 20 some years, I, I've got a great pool of people guys that play on the road and also during the week, like myself, record. I think that's a very um, standard thing to do. You know, we're all trying to make money and work. So um, I pick people like uh, another instance, a client said, well, I want to do this Kelly Clarkson type song. Well, immediately I'm going to call the rhythm section for Kelly Clarkson and get Lester and Kyle in there. I mean, that's a no brainer and it's so easy. Um, guitar player, this last session, she was like, like, I want a Joe Perry, blah, blah, blah. Immediately somebody came to mind. You're like, just, I'm calling Joe Perry. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I should have. <laughs> um, you know, it's just, it's a, you know, I go through my phone and people that I met on the road and networking and that I've, uh, developed with over years, um, you know, to find that every once in a while, the artist will also bring in a new, new kid or somebody that I've haven't played with before. And I'm like, wow, they're great you know, and stockpile them and use them when I can. How often do you bring in somebody that you haven't worked with before as far as a musician? Um, do you sometimes see a musician play on stage and go, oh, I like the way they play and then just invite them in on a session? And yeah, I do. I, I, I try and remember like what their vibe was. And also, I mean, using that word vibe is a great thing. In, in my studio, I try and get people that are a good hang. You know, I want them, I want the the, the singer songwriter client to be comfortable with the band and feel like they're absolutely, the band is invested in their song that they're spending their hard earned money in and, and making. Um, I want them to feel comfortable and proud of the players that were on the session. Uh, I definitely, I'm a very positive guy and I want people that are around me to be positive and bring those vibes. Definitely don't want the, the jaded Nashville musicians around. Right. That are just phoning it in. Phoning it in. I mean, I recently had a... They don't exist. No, what? What are you talking about? Is this thing almost done? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, uh, yeah, uh, positive vibey people. And, you know, well, it it reminds me too of something that I've noticed um, happen. So if an independent artist, if you put together a, like a really awesome band and some of those musicians have like, um, street cred, you know, they've got like, they've got right. credits of who they've played with. I've seen an artist 
turn around and finish their record. And part of their promotion is promotion is yeah. featuring these musicians who Absolutely. have played with so and so. And it's like that's actually can be a huge win for the artist to get people to you know eyeballs on earballs. Earballs right? on their record. <laughs> no, absolutely. That's a huge part. Um, you know, so-and-so from Kenny Chesney's band or Jason Aldean's band or, you know, Kelly Clarkson or Darius Rucker's band. That's huge. And it lets, it's another way for um, the artist to connect to their crowd because these people listen to that music. That's an instantaneous name that they recognize and all of a sudden that's another tag that they can put on their music that, oh, maybe they kind of sound like this and I'm excited about it and I want to go hear what they sound like. Um, in, the, in the world of social media, that opens up a whole nother door. I'm all for posting stuff on social media. I think it's a great tool and it's actually social media has gotten me more work than my website that I Ooh, pay for. We might need to talk about that. That was huge. Let's talk for about me. website. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about social it. media. What does yeah. is, is that all that mean? So Why do we care? I had, a, I had a guy, a PR guy, who helped me out um, say, You got to get a website. You got to get a website. So I spent the money. It's up. It's rocking. Um, I don't update that as much as my social media. We don't, people don't look at it. Traffic's low. Um, I spent a lot of money on it. And it's just something that sits there. Great for doing this podcast. And you guys can all take a look. I'm going to put new pictures up and get my music updated, you know, and I'm just being very honest about that. Or you can find me on social media and you can see instantaneously like what's happening. You can go to my Instagram, 222.studio Instagram or on Facebook and see what we're doing. And it's easier for me to post right away. Um, so, yes. So I started posting and what that does is, you know, and it might be corny to some people and I'm okay with that. You y'all can unfollow me and that's totally cool. And that's what it's about. But I'm going to be like, Hey, today I'm in the studio. I'm working with Tara Bella. It's this country duo, um, laying down keyboards. A, I'm proud of it. And B, it's really cool for, to show people what I'm doing and C, all of a sudden the phone's going to start ringing. Hey, Lee's doing keyboards or he's a great B3 player. Um, and it's another way to network that we didn't have back in the day. And nowadays it's readily available. So I find, and I don't post a lot. I'm not, I hope I'm not annoying, but I post, you know. Like, is there such thing as too much posting? Yes, there is. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's definitely like, if I can a couple times a week check in and just keep people like, hey, Lee is actively doing stuff. 222 Studio is really doing well. Um, and also it, it shows my progress and that I'm growing and it's exciting. So yeah, I think so social media is a great tool. And I, even the artists that are coming in, they ask me now, um, what do I do with this music? Which is a great question because the music model has changed drastically. Um, you know, we're not selling as much music as we uh, have in the past. So how do I monetize this? How do I make money? How do I build and one powerful way is social media. And I think management, the same guy that I had the conversation with the other day, um, he said social media followings, it's the first thing they look at. So if you only have 40 viewers or 40 people following you or, you know, thousands, you know, that takes time to grow. And that, you know, um, it's, 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 it's still a measurement of, still of, a measurement, uh, I feel, of yeah. audience size and all that, right? Yeah. And as the artist, you can put clips out. 
I wouldn't personally drop the whole song, but if you drop 20 seconds out and then say, hey, go buy it here, I mean, that's powerful till, uh, yeah. tool also. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for myself, I've definitely seen my business grow through social media um, more so than a website. Well, so I would um, offer that a website is like a home base that mm -hmm. you can intentionally go visit. So mm -hmm. for example, it's still really useful in that if somebody is like, oh, um, Lee's an interesting cat, I want to go see what he's doing, then it gives somebody, it, it's an opportunity for you to have a player up there with your music or mm -hmm. some video links or whatever where it's like. No, it's a, it's a definite more professional representation of yourself. Um, but so. the social media is the story. I think so. Yeah, yeah that's a good yeah. way to put it. Yeah. But, um, and then there's also um, rock stars. I, you probably have, you may have heard my interviews with Chris Graham. Um, mm. Brian Hood hopefully will be on the podcast at some point too. And he has a wonderful course. Um, his, their, their brand is the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. And okay. Brian has a wonderful course called the uh, Profitable Producer. And um, in that, they talk about things like websites. And, you know, they, I think they suggest that a website is a place to have like uh, one call to action and a form on there that people fill out to, you know, to c contact you to work with you and stuff like that. So that can be a cool way to think of a website too. And uh, I will, I'll put in a little plug too. If you're curious to check out, Brian's got a great free webinar that mm -hmm. talks about some of these topics too. Just go to rsrockstars.com slash profprod, P-R-O-F-P-R-O-D, and that link will take you right to it. I wanted to make it easy so I could remember to, to name well drop done. it. Yeah, nice. But um, <laughs> yeah, so, all right, cool. Well, website, social media. So how do you find that people tend to reach out to you if they see you on social media and they're like, oh, that's cool. Is it just a little, they just send you a social media message and yeah, now you got a, a conversation instant, going? Instant message and figure out if uh, what they want to do is, is for real and um, usually at that point they're ready to talk, they're ready to do something. So I'll just give them my phone number and we'll have a conversation over yeah. the phone. So in other words, easy, easy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working, I'm in May. Uh, I've got a girl coming over from Holland. Oh, cool. Um, I've had a girl come over from England. I've had a, another person come up from Australia and it's just crazy that you That's can, really cool. Yeah. It's pretty wild. So it's pretty powerful. It's been a minute since I've worked with somebody um, who's traveled from overseas to come make a record with me. Yeah. The first experience I had that was working with this German girl. Her name was Katja. And she was singing in German. And country songs all in German. Wow. And the first time I went to work on her vocal, I accidentally put a de-esser on it. She goes, no, 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 you've taken away all my, <laughs> all the important <laughs> stuff in there. <laughs> I was like, okay, instantly like, take that off. Sorry, nine. Nine. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit about that topic. So sure. what are some things you've learned? Uh, obviously, that was one of them. What are some other things that you've learned about working with an artist who comes, travels from far, from afar to come yeah. work with you? What are the things that you've learned to make sure you provide above and beyond, you know, typical, you know, pick the right mic that make that a great experience for an artist coming in? Do you right. have to like help find them in Airbnb? Help is it like, is that Airbnb, part of the vibe? Point them in the right neighborhood uh, to stay. 
sometimes you might have to point them in um, direction of restaurants and stuff like that. How how long does a, somebody typically stay to did, come do did, something? Is it like they might be here for a month or somebody, just for well, a I week? I had one that wanted to try and be here for a month, and then they realized that we could knock out her vocal in, in a week, and she didn't have to be here. And the beauty of the internet and Dropbox is like you can listen to mixes from anywhere. Um it, still you get that studio experience, but you don't have to be here. Um, yeah, I just provide them with things to get up and running. Just like when clients come into the studio, I like to have menus ready. I like to have the pizza number, you know, the pizza place phone number ready to go, coffee ready to go, and just trying to have everything ready that a client would need. Be prepared for that. Do a little homework ahead of time. Um, so you, you know, you look like you know what you're doing and just... It makes it for a great experience for them. Are there any challenges to getting paid by a client who's coming from another country? Uh, yes. Um, and this is very important, I think, across the board. Be very clear and be very honest about the service that you provide, the time that you're going to put into it, um, especially, and I'm talking for people that have never recorded before or maybe have just done a small project. Um it's a good reminder when this you work with somebody reminder. who hasn't done this before. Yeah, you have a whole lot of educating whole to do that's above and beyond what you normally do. I just did an estimate the other day where I listed out my hours, um, everything from top to bottom through sending it to the mastering guy and getting it back and explaining what it all is. It's a lot, but yet it justifies and shows your client what you're actually doing to earn your paycheck. Rather than, oh, dude, we're just going to show up and record. Well, it's not really that easy. There's a lot that goes into this. As you all know, you know, being recording rock stars yourselves, this is the, the small stuff that makes it easier. And I find that when I skip over that little fact or that little uh, detail of explaining all this stuff to the, the client, sometimes in the back end, yes, getting paid can be a little difficult because... Uh, another thing, you might have a client that finishes a mix in two days, right? And then you have this client that finishes a mix over two months because they're back in their homeland or whatever you want to yeah, say. Yeah. Okay, I'm technically done. Now you're dragging your feet. Can I get paid? Right. So yes, set those boundaries before you start. So that way there's a clear indication of when we reach this point in the mix, I should be paid X amount of dollars. Yeah. I think that's just smart. And then it takes away all the weirdness. When you talked about like, it's not like we're just, hey, we're just going to get together and record. Well, it is like that when you're working with people that you record with all the time or that do right. this every day and, it's, right. and, and you can kind of relax into it. Mm -hmm. But um, it's just this constant reminder, like over-communicate, even with the people you work with regularly. Ugh. And, yeah. um, but, but, you know, <laughs> especially with the people that you haven't worked with before. Yeah. I mean, over communicate, it's great. We're all human. We're all going to forget stuff. But, um, as long as you put that communication out there, life is a lot easier. Yeah. And I'm going to also, um, add to that a reminder that over communicating doesn't just mean write a thorough email. It means send that email three times until you yeah. get a response that, that Absolutely. it didn't get lost, you know. You know, my, the, my incoming email, mm. those emails move down that page so fast on <laughs> Gmail. <laughs> but it's like if they don't get a star on it and yeah. I don't intentionally go back and look at that star, you know, it can be easy to miss it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, that's, that's the lesson that I have to keep learning 
uh, is remembering that communicating through the internet is um, you don't always know what the experience of the other person is that you're communicating it with. It's right. like your client, you know, description of like, you don't know what mood they're in. Yeah. You don't know if the person you're talking to, or you may not know initially if there's somebody that sees every email that comes in, somebody that rarely ever sees an email that comes in, somebody that sees it, but it disappears quickly and sure. they need that. They're just very busy and they need to be reminded. Yeah. So don't, um, I, I, my strategy is over communicate until they ask you to communicate a little less. And then you <laughs> wow. know you've communicated, yeah. you know, and like you're like, that. cool, no problem. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. This show is sponsored by Recording Studio Rockstars Academy. Are you ready to take your recording, mixing, and mastering to the next level and make your best record ever? Then visit the Academy to find the course that's right for you. Want to record killer drums in your home studio? Then check out Rockstars of Drums to learn how to record, edit, and mix pro-sounding drums with a professional Nashville session drummer in a Grammy-winning studio. Or if you are ready to start mastering your own records at home, then check out Rockstars of Mastering, where I walk you through exactly how I mastered my own record, Skadoosh, using nothing but plugins in PreSona Studio One. These techniques would work for you in whichever DAW you are using right now. And if mixing is your focus, then check out my free course, Mix Master Bundle, where I show you how to mix using stock and free plugins and Pro Tools. Plus, you get a look at how I recorded everything in my studio and multi-track downloads to mix in your own studio and even include in your mixing portfolio if you want. Are you ready to make your best record ever? Then go to Mix Master bundle.com to get started for free now and look for the clickable link in the show notes of this episode. Um, cool. All right. Well, let's see. Uh, what, what haven't we talked about that we should still talk about here? You want to talk about producing vocals? Sure. That's an important part, right? That is an important part. Producing um, vocals. What you talked about, uh, using a couple of cool plugins on the way in for a vocal chain an 1176 into an LA-2A. It's a great classic combo, and it sounds right, great. Right. And there's a reason why we're still talking about it to this right, day. because it works. Yeah, and what about vocal choice of vocal mic on the way in? How vocal do you, mic, do, you uh, do you typically use the same one, or do you like to choose the right one for a singer? Um, I have two go-tos that I like to use. I have a Neumann U87 that is just on the stand all the time. Um, there for a while I was using a Kiwi... Um, made by the Blue Microphone Company, and that's really great, but I found out it just did something EQ to the vocal that I really didn't care for uh, long-term working on the vocal. I just, that U87 is like rock solid. Yeah, U87 is, an, it's a classic large yeah. diaphragm condenser. It's been around for ages, and it's actually, I feel like it's sort of, it has an, a, a good mid-range that comes forward, but it's mm. also a little bit like, it's not bright and sizzly on the top, right? It's, right? it's sort of almost dark on top. Yeah, no. Seems to work really well for what I'm doing. Um, and I think a, an important part about, you know, the, the recording of vocal is the vocal performance itself. Um, getting your, your client or your singer to be comfortable. I mean, going into the studio is exciting. And I forget sometimes because yeah. I'm in that world all the time. Um, I'm very relaxed, you know, but somebody who's saved up their pennies to come in or this is a dream of theirs gets really anxious. And all of a sudden you're over singing and 
there's these things that crop up in the studio that you as the producer, you hitting the recording button have to kind of deal with and, and talk with them and work with them um, in a manner that makes them feel very relaxed and well, they ease. may have been singing along to speakers and guitars all this time yeah, and not been headphones in headphones on. now. Yeah. yeah. So, so what are some things that you um, are able to do to, to, to bring a, a singer back into the right tone with their voice and the right volume and level and not be over singing? First thing I'll do is I'll go in and I'll check out definitely where their uh, headphone mix is at. Just make sure that um, they don't have it cranked you know, so loud or the opposite, so quiet, actually take their headphones and listen to them. And a lot of times there'll be adjustments that can be made and like, oh, I didn't hear that out in a control room or um, whatnot, or just a reinsurance that, yes, this is what it should sound like. Slipping an earphone off always helps. Um, it just gives it a little bit more of that, uh, you know, when you sing in the in the shower, that natural reverb, you know, you're hearing yourself like you normally sing. Yeah, that's the one one ear off trick for yeah. the singer where one ear is one ear is in a headphone, the other ear yeah. doesn't have the headphone on it, so they hear themselves naturally yeah. in the room. And make sure their headphones aren't cranked so you're not getting a lot of bleed coming through that. Um and then just, you know, taking your time with it and just uh make uh, make sure they're emoting uh, calling, doing what the, call, the song calls for. Um, I had an interesting singer come back one time or an uh, interesting thing where a singer came back. She took the tracks to her vocal teacher and her vocal teacher said, you weren't smiling on any of this. And I said, I, you know, I heard this and I just laughed. I was kind of new at this. I was like, what do you mean you weren't smiling? She goes, no, she said she couldn't hear me smile. And I was like, all right, well, let's re-record re it and have you smile. Sure enough, I can hear the difference and it changes the way your mouth is shaped. So if there's a passage where you need the singer to sound a little brighter or happier or just get that in the front of the mouth instead of just laying here, um, have them smile. And there's just different tips and tricks, you know, that you can use. Something I've been, so what I've been doing is I'm working on my own EP right now is I'm, I have set up a video camera to videotape every mm -hmm. single vocal performance, every overdub I do. Um, so coming soon, rock stars, <laughs> or maybe it's out now by the time this is out, right but on. the, uh, but it gives me a chance to see what I look like when I'm singing. And that uh, is really eye opening, which is really kind of a pun because what I discovered is that I have a tendency when I'm singing to squint and look like I'm, you know, in the bathroom <laughs> when I'm singing and I'm right. like, and if you see that, you're like, Oh, you're like, Ooh, Oh man, first straining. of all, am I doing that on stage? <laughs> you know, second of all. Obviously, like the the physical attributes that we have are translated into what into, comes out of the yeah, sound too. And then yeah. I'm thinking like, all right, so then I go back out and I sing some more and I'm like, all right, I'm going to be conscious of like keeping my eyes open and making eye contact. Or if I close my eyes, it's like a relaxed, sure, instead of like a squinting, pinching kind of thing. Well, and this is a cool thing too, talking about social media, I'm sure you're filming this to put out clips or, you know, so it does two right, things. Exactly. Um, that's a great thing. The video camera and watching yourself. Well, I'm actually going to be taking the whole process of recording my EP and mixing it and turning that into a mix course. Oh, uh, wow. That's all the content great. for it too. So that's my intention here. Very cool. Um, I'm, I'm on the, on the uh, line 
on the hook now because yeah, I put it out there publicly. So. <laughs> uh, but that's what I'm that's what I'm heading towards. Yeah, and it's super fun to do too. Cool. I'm having a blast doing it. Uh, but yeah, the the way that you're physically, the way that your body is acting when you're singing affects your singing. And I always encourage singers that I work with to not stand stiff like it's a formal event, you know, but right. like move and, and express, use, use body language and hand gestures and movement mm-hmm. to express the song because I think that stuff comes through. Now that can also have the effect of over doing it a little bit and causing people to miss the note and not right, hit it. Right. But it's some balance in the middle of all those yeah. things that, that gets the right stuff. Now, singing on my own stuff, again, I've, I'm experiencing doing, you know, four or five takes. I'm like, that's good enough for now, you know, or whatever. Mm. Or I, I might need something else, but I don't know what it is that I need yet. Right. As a producer, what are some things you've learned about making sure that you have all the right bits and pieces and that Ooh. you're not, you know, when you go to comp it, you're not some, some notes are just out of tune or those long notes have a wobble in them where right. you don't have a good one, stuff like that. When I'm going for a vocal performance, I like to do the comping as it's going down. So if we hear something that's bad, I like to fix it. Um, cool thing in logic is you know they have that uh, where you just swipe the right take so if i know that there's one close i'll have the artist sing it over um and make sure that i have at least two good passes um there's probably going to be some underneath that but two gives me the other option that when they're home listening to their mix they're like uh, i didn't say an s on this and i'll be like i got it you know or i can fly it in somewhere um, words are pronounced correctly. They're, uh, you might have to do some tuning, but just make sure they're in the ballpark. Don't ever leave a session and go, I can fix all this because that's a lot of work. Have the singer sing it and it's going to sound more natural. Um, what's a normal amount of vocal takes that you might, you know, be looking ooh, at later to, I think it depends out? on the singer. There might be some sections where you get it twice. There might be a bridge where you're hitting it 17, 18 times. Right, okay, cool. You know, and there's just that certain emotion that you're trying to reach and PowerPoint in a song that's hard for them, and that's when you really have to push the gas pedal and get them to perform. Um, And not all those takes are going to be great. So it definitely depends. I see, you know, when I'm mixing down, there's certain sections that might have two or four or six, and there's certain sections that have 17, 18 takes to it. It just kind of depends. Another thing that's really great is do all that. And I really work hard getting the comp done while the artist is in there and everybody's different. Um, Have them listen to it and then have them go sing the whole thing one more time. Right. Straight through top to bottom. And that's a great way. So now you already have your comp vocal that you just did with them in there and you have another great vocal because nine times out of 10, they're going to sing it better than they just... Yeah, they just learned the shit out of the song. They just learned the shit out of it. You're exactly Thank right. Thank you for saying shit on my podcast. Yeah, too, I finally man. got the swear. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, cool, man. Cool. And then one thing that I... So now we've got the vocal recorded and it's in the box and you're you're working on it. You've got your 1176 and your LA-2A. What if you don't have those? Like, what if you're on a small system and money's an issue, whatever, and you want some great plugins... Or you have a client that's like, I need this mix now and you don't have time to mix down. Um, I found the Greg Wells One Knob series. Right. 
is outstanding. What is it, voice-centric or something like that? Voice-centric, yeah. Um, It's outstanding. And there's times where I'll go to that. I'll add a little bit of something else onto it. But the the delay times fall right in time with your um, DAW. Um, The reverb is great. There's a doubler on it. And you just, you turn this one knob up and it just gives you, I don't know what it is, tape, saturation, EQ, all that good stuff. Um, if you're looking for a down and dirty, that's an awesome one. Yeah. Another one is his piano one. It's okay, cool. brilliant. And I use that all the what, time. Uh, describe the effects that it has on, if you put it on a piano. Um, so yeah, this might be on the, the stereo DPA mic upright, for example. Exactly. Put it on that. And let's say you want to change it and make it more intense or brighten it up. It has a knob where you just turn it and it brightens and kind of thins it out, which is awesome. A quick EQ for letting it sit in the mix, um, knocking out all that crap that... You know, the big mystery piano for me is the yeah. Bowie pianos, the David Bowie right. um, okay. sound, which is just like this bright... It's really bright, but it's not nasty harsh no. or anything like that. No. Um, this kind of does that. And there's a doubler on it also that just works. Double the piano? Doubler on the piano. It kind of gives it a little cool. Phil Spector. Thing. Little, little Phil wall Spector, sound. <laughs> a little um, Elton Johnish at times. I don't use it all the time, but those are really cool. And Billy Decker just came out with his uh, plugins, his uh, bus. Oh, clue. no way. I didn't know about yeah, that. Yeah, Billy Decker is killing it. And I just, I gave him a shout out the other day on social media. Um, I got to invite Billy to come on the show. You should. He's a great person. He's a monster. Person. Yeah. Um, yeah. His bus glue is great. I've, I've thrown it on a quick mix that I did for drums. Um, his electric guitar one's great. Acoustic guitar is great. And on keys, it's killer. I said it on social media. I'm like, Billy, everybody always forgets about the keyboard player. Thanks for giving us some love. <laughs> so it was really cool. That's so those awesome. are some quick, like, bus glue type stuff that. Um, really can help your mix out. If you're new to the recording and you don't understand everything and or have the money to get into all this stuff that sometimes we talk about, those are great tools to get you up and running and sounding like a rock star. All right. Groovy, man. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, well, that that answers the, the future question here about a, a cool <laughs> software tool for the studio. I would say that, yeah. Um, what about tuning vocals? You said you might yes. want to do some tuning. Is that part of the process? What are some of the tools that you like to use? It, it is. Where it, can you go wrong? All right. Yes. Tuning is just, for me, it's like using compression. I think it's great. You don't want to hear it. Um, obviously, there's times when, yes, you want that effect of being overtuned. Um, but how do you get it to sound natural? A, grab a good performance. B, if you can't do that, you got to get into it and figure out what notes maybe you need to move um, maybe you're slapping a Antares on the whole track and just moving the knobs where it's catching certain notes just fine. And but what happens if you have a singer with a lot of vibrato and Antares is just basically flipping you off? I've had that, and I was like, oh no! And the singer just went back down to Florida. Um, Logic has a great tuning function into it where you can go in and individually, um select each word or you can uh, the whole track and put it on match perfect pitch or I think it's just perfect pitch. Um, then you can blow up the waveform so you can see it really big and it's amazing. It's a little bit like Melodyne where you can slide the notes up and down. 
and it does it in real time. And it's but it's super, right within Logic, so you it's don't right within when Logic. you press play in Logic, you're right where you want to be. Yeah. You can see the tracks next to each other and stuff too. Absolutely, I love Logic, and I think it's a great tool. Yeah, I, I think Logic is super cool. I'm Incredible. still, I still just only dabble in it every time I'm messing with it. Mm -hmm, I never mm -hmm. feel like a, you know, yeah. a logic expert. Um, but it's super cool. Do you want to talk any more about logic and how you use it or any stuff that's cool with it? Yeah. That's one of the things that kind of blew my mind when I reopened the studio, quote unquote, was my old, uh, windows XP machine was outdated. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to go get these new plugins and this is fabulous and blah, blah, blah. And I can't get it because it's outdated. So I upgraded. I'm using in the studio now um, three Apollos, the brand new Apollos, uh, the X8P. I've got two of those and then an 8X and then um, a Mac Mini. So I'm running Mac and Logic is an Apple product. Mac Mini. Does it have to be a brand new Mac Mini? No, is it an I'm older using Mac the 2014. Mini? 2014. And it's working really well. The processing okay, cool. power is enough for what I do. Um, I may upgrade. And I went, uh, this was another Michael S. Doc tip. Get a solid state drive. Yeah. Spend the money. And I'll give first, a shout out to OWC, our sponsor on the podcast. Right, there we go. They make, I, I upgraded solid state drives on my, my Mac that is recording us right now is a 2009 Mac Pro. Brilliant. Yeah. And, and it has all solid states. Yeah. And it's, it's blazing, you know? Yeah. So I, I, you know, dug into logic and, um, it handles everything you know, that you need it to do. And Logic even does sound replacement. We were talking about that earlier with Trigger 2. Um, it can do drums, um, which is really cool, and it's really good. Drummer track. Drummer track. <laughs> do, you do you mess around with that at all? No, I've tried, and it just, it's just, I'd it's, rather... I think of it as a song sketching tool. Absolutely. You know, pretty uh, fun. Loops or that type of thing. Um, I tried to use it on one client's thing and she was like no i would like real drums please and i was like <laughs> okay and then i listened to it about two weeks later and was like that's not really great <laughs> so, it's good it's really it's good it's really but fun it's, it's so great. quick like sketching it's, ideas and logic is so fast so which is fast. really fun yeah um and then you know it is fun to plug your guitar in and have like five bazillion different over-the-top guitar sounds amazing yeah um what about some Basic navigational stuff. That's where I always get tripped up because I know how to get from point A to point B in Pro Tools quickly, but I'm always a little lost in Logic. Um, for example, do you use keys on your keyboard to zoom in and out? Do you, um, if you're zoomed in close, can you can you jump over to the left end of a of a region or a clip Absolutely. or what do you call them in Logic anyway? Yeah, um, markers are one thing that I set up right away. Um, they're in my template, like song markers, like so verse, chorus, bridge. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I've got them all labeled and in approximate areas. I mean, you know, intros four bars and this and that, uh, sixteen bars, eight bars, whatever. Um, so the first time I'm going through when the drummer counts off, I usually try and start them in the same spot, lay a marker down for verse one, verse two, and on and on. Then over where my, uh, numbers are on the keyboard on the right hand side, those quickly jump to each marker. Oh, cool. So All I right, can so go verse two is number two. Yeah. Bam. I hit that. And then I hit the, I think it's a backspace key over here and it jumps back two measures. So that's a great tool also, mm. starting people at the exact same spot. Um, so I use those quick keys. Um, the Sorry, let me, let me, let me yeah. uh, clarify that. Starting people at the exact same spot, 
rock stars. I think you're talking about um, punch-ins. When you're doing a punch-in, yeah. we've talked about this on the podcast. Uh -huh. um, I think Brandon Bell maybe just brought it up too. The importance of pre-roll yeah. and having a consistent pre-roll, and in Nashville, two bars of pre-roll is maybe like a good target. Two or leading four, up to depending something. You know, yeah. if it's quick. Um, what that does is it sets your performer up for success because they know exactly where you're going to be starting. Performer self-help. Exactly, right? 101. Um, because they, let's say it's a guitar solo and or they're, the one lick that is really difficult and they want to get, the last thing you want to do is jump in and be like, ready, go. Um, give them those two measures and consistently give them those two measures. So that's a great tool. Every logic. future intern... Please listen Please to this segment of the podcast that. and learn that right away. Yeah. Um, so I use that. And then also um, the cut and paste, you know, is T-I and cut and fade or the fade is T-A, you know. And I so wait, T-I, so T is sort of like slices a region or something like the that? T or? is your tool selector and okay. then I would be the slicer. Ah, um, nice. A is fade for some reason. And I just learned all the shortcuts. So yeah, and another great tool that I have along with this is the Slate, um, the MT2, the um, the monitor, touchscreen monitor. Oh, part of the Raven. So Raven, it's a exactly the uh, Raven. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, so I've got a trackpad, and then the Raven, and then my my controls on Logic, and I'm just like. TA and I slice it or T1, TI and slice it and TA and fade it and wipe my finger across the thing. And it just nice, man. I haven't, I, I've, I've seen the Raven and I've like messed with it for a second, but I haven't actually used it on a yeah, session. Yeah. So what are the things that um, tend to go really quickly using something like the Raven? The Raven's great for what I do because jumping back and forth between logic and the console, um, you do that all on one. When you say console, uh, you mean the Universal, the Audio, Universal Audio Virtual Audio. Console, yes, right? Virtual Console. Um, so if I have players playing on that, I can reach for the mixer really quick. I don't have to mouse around. I can literally go to the drummer, like let's say they need more kick, punch, and... So uh, just grab the fader. Grab, it, grab a fader. Up and down now go to Logic and grab fader on Logic, whereas when I had a control surface, I wasn't able to do one of those things. So it really integrates... Do you use the kind of batch commander like features where I you can don't. like you know automatically make eight vocal tracks ready to go and yeah, stuff like that? Sorry, Slate, I could never <laughs> get it to work. It no, I I didn't, yeah. didn't get it to work. I um I have batch commander and I'll use it here only for the most mundane tasks, but I haven't incorporated right. it into oh, like. Okay. Big complex stuff, but I probably should. I always feel like I should. I should, you know? but yeah, it's, it's like, like I don't know if you ever use the Eventide H three thousand. Mm -hmm. um, through your time, but that was like one of those, you know, hardware units in the rack that was like deep levels of programming. And I just mm -hmm. always had this feeling like, man, I should really learn that one day. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. And I, the, I think the, the funny takeaway from that is just a reminder that like, we are going to be surrounded by stuff like that in the studio as a keyboard player. You certainly, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm confident that you probably have synthesizers where you've been like, Man, I should really learn all the menus in that synth sure, one day. Dive in, yeah. And and it's okay that we don't have to know mm -hmm. every single thing there is to know about everything. Yeah. Um, you know, you just get into the levels that you actually need for your sessions. Need and use and you know, you, you learn the plugins, learn logic or learn Pro Tools 
and learn it so that you're proficient and quick on what you need to know to make your clients happy. I think that's really important. The last thing I want to do is slow down um, the creative process. And I spent many hours learning logic. You know, I spent many hours learning Nuendo and just set yourself up, record yourself, make a dumb song. It doesn't matter. Um, I'll make a song about our cats or something nice. like that, that are, and which are actually really good songs, but that's besides <laughs> the point. Um, you know, one of the featured songs is Cat Stepping on My Balls, which is going to be a huge hit, I'm sure of it, you know? I, you know, it's, that's pretty funny. <laughs> I actually remember uh, I got up in the middle of the night once many, many, a uh, couple of decades ago at least, and wrote a song on my four track about walking down the hall and stepping in a cat turd between right. my toes. Because <laughs> we lived right. in a we lived in a place where the cat was roamed free to do yeah, what they yeah. wanted. I'm of course describing the shared roommate situation sure, that we sure. all go yes, through early on, you know. Um, um, but what that yeah. what that does is creating these little songs or just throwaway songs. I always name them something like test, delete after finished, you know. And just practice and different scenarios, um, practice punch-ins, practice this and that um, until you get a little bit quicker in it and it'll relax yourself. I always used to go into sessions just sweating, just that nervous I remember that beginning. Sweat, you know, like you're running around the room trying to- You can't to, sleep the night before. No, and you're getting everything set and then the client comes in and it's maybe like 68 degrees and you're in a cold sweat and it's just nerve-wracking. I think anything you can do to prepare um, to get the session ready, to get yourself ready for those different situations that are going to happen, um, you know. It's a good reminder. I mean, I always say that the greatest skill of engineering is the the skill of the workaround. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter oh, whether boy. you got the oldest stuff or the newest stuff. Something will not Something work. Something will. won't work the way it's supposed to. And your your real skill is not knowing how to have gotten it right but knowing how to go right or just right around that obstacle and keep moving forward Absolutely. on every session. Yeah. Because in the end, all that matters is that session flow and you're getting it done, you know? Yeah. All right, cool. So we're, we're coming up on the end here, but yeah. let me jump into some of our closing questions. We'll just kind of blast through the, some of the jam okay. session questions. Uh, when you started out in recording, what was holding you back? Money. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Money was definitely um, technology, you know, but now it is technology's uh, definitely more affordable. Um, knowledge of uh, how to do something, how to mic up a Leslie, like what we talked about today. Nowadays, such a great tool is YouTube. Yeah. I mean, anything you want. I mean, of course, you're going to find some bad, but like with logic, anything that I was trying to like, how do I do this? Bam, you go to Ooh, YouTube. Did you ever uh, watch Logic Pro Ninja? I don't or know. Or SF I, Logic Pro Ninja. I'm not sure if I've uh, he's been, he's been a guest one. on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, awesome yeah. dude. So that's, you know, nowadays uh, that's just, you know, ask and um so yeah, that's uh, probably slowed me down a little bit. Yeah. Um uh, will you let's look, very briefly I'll touch sure. on the topic of money because you mentioned that that's obviously a universal concern for a yeah. lot of people starting out. But you pointed at very quickly you mentioned I didn't do a big leap in. I accumulated things yes. and that's what I did too. Oh, and good. It, by the time I sort of created this space, I already had yeah. most of the studio gear, you know, yep. and it was just for <clears throat> the first decade of my career. Yeah. Everything that I earned just went back into, you know, eBay. 
Wow. You know? <laughs> right. Totally. And, I, and it was back when eBay was the source for all that stuff. Right. And, uh, and just accumulating. So just a reminder, rock stars, you don't have to jump in with all. In fact, you got it easy now. All you got to do is save up for that one Apollo and bam, you're, bam, you got you most of a studio ready to go with the laptop. I had a client come over that played a bass part on her keyboard. You know, the tools are there. So it's, I don't know, just, yeah. Well, um, how about some of the best advice you remember receiving? Um, there's no right or wrong way to do something. Um, and when I first started recording, I talked to this guy, he played trumpet with Johnny Cash. Um, his name was Jack Hale. That name just came back to me. Nice. And Jack really helped me, you know, find some Mackie speakers to get going. And, um, his big thing was, you know, the other day we were recording a guitar part and the guitar was in the bathroom. And they actually put a microphone down in the bowl of the toilet. <laughs> and he goes, it did something to the guitar sound. And it was really cool. And I was like, okay, note. So that little nugget kind of stuck, sticks in the back of my I hope head. It like, wasn't the vocal know? mic. No, I hope it wasn't the vocal mic either. <laughs> that would have been really shitty. Uh, oh, boy. Um, another one, uh, you know, uh, Dave Grohl talks about in Sound City, you know, I love Dave Grohl. And, Food good fighters. name drop, man. Good oh, name my drop. God. And they talk about plugging stuff into the wrong insert sometimes. And, you know, magic just kind of happens. So there's no right or wrong way. Um, and, and if you can get great sounds, get great sounds and just enjoy doing what you're doing. I think, um, you know, the, the idea of plugging something into the wrong thing and accidentally getting a great sound. I mean, that's Glenn Johns describes his whole Glenn Johns miking technique as that. Wow. They yeah. turned a guitar mic around and it was accidentally over the tom. Yeah. Voila, we have yeah. 50 years of drum recording, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, there's also just, um, there's also the, the, the intent to try and go do stuff wrong and, Sometimes that doesn't go anywhere. Sometimes you're just like, right. yeah, it's a big pile of crap and I didn't make a good sound. Exactly. But but one thing I've seen certainly repeatedly, I remember hearing stories about like Brian Eno would like hook up these daisy chains of things and I'll do stuff in here sometimes and surprise the shit out of myself mm -hmm. um, is just like, you know, you know, taking that one effect and then go into another effect and into something else and into something else and then go into, you know, Pro Tools or whatever. And mm -hmm. you can create these sounds that you had no idea. Right. You were even capable of that sounds so cool, you know? Yeah. So hook a lot of shit up, rock stars. Do it. That's it. <laughs> uh, in the physical world, I, do you think you get more success doing that in the physical world of stuff than in the plugin world? Like if you hook up 10 plugins... Does it turn into a pile of doo-doo faster than if yeah, you hook up 10 keyboards? I think you keyboards? can overdo it. Um, I think in a physical world, you can do some cool stuff, happy accidents. Yeah. yeah. Run stuff into guitar amps with, through, through pedals and stuff. Yeah. All right, cool. So uh, we digress. Okay. Um, you've already shared some great recording tips. Unless, if you got another one, let me know. But otherwise, um, I'll jump to a favorite hardware tool for the studio. Something physical that you're always glad you got around on sessions. Uh, the Apollo, uh, not the Apollo, the Avalon, uh, my 737. Oh, yeah, I, the old I, I 737. That, yeah, I do that on the front end. I, I love everything else. I'm pretty much in the box nowadays. Um, but I do that on the front end of the vocal. It's just something about grabbing a knob and having um, 
it's one of our first channel strips. Really. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Kind of. I mean, it's yeah. a, and it's tube, and it sounds great. Right. Um, a vocal that I just did recently, the, the verses, she sang really quiet, and then the, the choruses were belting, and I was able just to grab a knob and physically, you know, change that. Um, that's probably my favorite hardware. Absolutely, nice. yeah. Um, all right, so uh, let's jump to our final question. This one is hypothetical. We're going to take the Wayback Studio machine. We're going to go back, find young Lee. Yeah. Um, I guess you're, you know, you just finished your farm chores up in Wisconsin. <laughs> you're grabbing your guitar. <laughs> you say, listen, Lee, uh, before you before you go down this road of recording, here's the single most important thing you need to know to be a rock star of the studio yourself one day. You're like, what's a studio? No, right. well, assuming you knew what a studio is, what, what advice would you go back and give yourself if you could? Wow. Um, I think I would say be honest with yourself and your time and experiment and really learn why things work. You know, dig into people, uh, dig into how people work in your workflow. Um, what do I mean by that? Like, just know what you're comfortable with, um, know what you're capable of, and not being afraid to taking risks on top of that. Um, and then in the recording, uh, young Lee, you should probably compare your mixes to other mixes before you take them to your car. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the, you'll find out a little sooner. Yeah. You, you lose a good 15 minutes every time you take the mix to the car. Good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool, man. Well, Lee, thanks yeah. so much for joining us on Recording Studio Rockstars, dude. Absolute Thank pleasure you. to Thank hang you. out with you. And, and get to know you and your music and stuff. Let the rock stars know how they can find you online and, and learn more about you. And Absolutely. where should they go follow you on social media and all that? Absolutely. You can find me on 222.studio, and that's the number two, spell it out, 20, and the number two, dot studio. Or you can find me on Instagram, 222studio, 222 um, and you can find me on Facebook on the same, or you can just look up Lee J. Turner. So Nice. And uh, rock stars, if you need to ma make your next best record, country come album, on. whatever. I'd love to help. You ready to fly across I'm the like, world and come make a cool record? World. We can do it remote. Come on, we can do a bunch of different things. You, I love positive, fun people who are looking to make music. So, yeah. Or if you need keyboard tracks and you would like me to play on your next record, I'm totally down for that, and I do a lot of that stuff too. So, Or me. if you just need a super hot band that is going to look really great on the sticker of your next album. Exactly. <laughs> Call me. Text me. Awesome, whatever. dude. Message well, me. Thanks so much for being here, yeah, and I uh, look forward to seeing you around the studio again. Appreciate it. All right, Thank man. You. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening to Recording Studio Rockstars. If you enjoyed the show and want to help make it better, then please share this episode with your friends on social media and leave a rating and review on iTunes to help the podcast reach more rock stars like yourself. You can click directly over to iTunes or go to rsrockstars.com slash review for an easy explanation. Also, remember to hit the subscribe button to keep up with these weekly episodes. And if you're ready to make your best record ever, then head over to Recording Studio Rockstars Academy, where you can start with my 
free mixing course at mixmasterbundle.com. Look for the link in the show notes. And if you want more free content from Recording Studio Rockstars, all you have to do is go to rsrockstars.com slash email. Again, that's rsrockstars.com slash email to enter your name and email, and I'll keep you in the loop with articles, videos, podcast updates, and even free gear giveaways for your studio, all totally free. Thanks for listening, and thanks for being a rock star. I'm Lid Shaw, and this is Recording Studio Rockstars. Now, go make great music. Music